from BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast, is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is your moment, your time to shine, your comeback. You're ready for the next step in your career, and you want an education employer's respect. So you're not just going back to school. You're coming back with Purdue Global. Backed by Purdue University, one of the nation's most respected public universities, Purdue Global is built for people who bring their life experience into the online classroom. Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union. A savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. There's a lot happening these days, but I have just the thing to get you up to speed on what matters without taking too much of your time. The 7 from the Washington Post is a podcast that gives you the seven most important and interesting stories, and we always try to save room for something fun. You get it all in about seven minutes or less. I'm Hannah Jewell. I'll get you caught up with The 7 every weekday. So follow The 7 right now. Hi, everybody. It's Jamie Lee Curtis, and you're listening to the Good Friend Podcast, presented to you by iHeartRadio. It's a podcast about friendship. We talk about everything. We cry. We laugh. We think about what it really means to be a good friend. And I have conversations with some of my best friends, some people I've never met, and sort of everything in between. So I hope by the end of it that you have a really good sense of what friendship means to me and the people that I consider friends. And I hope you can take those same ideas into your own friendship groups. And I hope you enjoy it. Good morning or good day or what? I don't yeah, even know what time morning. it is. <laughs> yeah, it's great to see you. Yes. Morning for you, afternoon for us. Yes. How lucky, how lucky for me and my listener. I do believe we have one. So I like to, I like to refer to them. Um, I'm not grandiose. I don't pretend I have a billion. I'm content with my one listener. They're loyal and interested and they lean in and they will be so excited that my guests today are Mark Nepo and Susan McHenry, a partnership as well as two separate artists, two people that I have separate relationships with, and people who I consider good friends, even though we've really only met in person a couple times. Yeah. So welcome to the Good Friend Podcast, thank my good so friends. <laughs> yes, thank you. Thank you. It's wonderful to be with you. And I agree, it's that, you know, that um, sometimes we know each other deeply in a second, and that lasts forever. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we know each other in a second. And it does take a second for many, many people in many ways. And then there are people who are in each other's orbits, and it, they just, it takes them forever to actually come together. Yes, yeah. Well, I know I felt that with you immediately or instantly, and that doesn't often happen. No, 
I'm always struck by it. It's it is a it is a feeling um, that happens where I am struck by a, a connection that is as instantaneous as it has been with both of you. Mm -hmm. um, for my uninitiated listener, <laughs> um, if you know me at all, um, if I don't like the word follow or listen because I'm not a prophet. I'm not a, you know, I'm a dope fiend and <laughs> a liar and, you know, many things I have done wrong in my life. So you do not, I, it, the whole idea that we, in social media, we have this word that we follow or that we listen to, like, ugh, I'm not a doctor. I pretend to be one once in a while for money, but <laughs> I am a human and my human part is more human because of a book that I have talked about in many circles in many ways, which is called The Book of Awakening. And it is written by Mark Nepo. Um, and it was our first point of contact, which I just thought was a good way to start talking, which was how did we find each other? Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I just, I feel I so agree with you. Even you know, I I do a lot of teaching and all kinds of things, but I really don't feel like I feel like we're just keeping company. We're opening up a space. Um, you know, I was struck that the word interview, it literally comes from the French and it really means the view between. So it's not about one person, oh, tell me, tell me. It's about we gather. And together we open up a depth together. And, and I think that's what happens with friends too, is we're, we, we go to a different place because of our, our love of each other. Oh, Mark Nepo. <laughs> Just, Where did he come up with these things? You know what? He's a poet and that's the beauty of it. You, you, you paint with words. That's, you know, poetry. It's spectacular. Um, I just want to ask you about the Book of Awakening for a second, because we've sure. actually never discussed it. And my listener would be very interested. <laughs> How long. Like, did you know you were going to make a Book of Awakening or did you did you come like, did you back into it or did you forward into it? Um, well, kind of kind of both in the, in that, you know, on the other side of my cancer journey um, and, and, you know, Susan is uh, an adult child of an alcoholic and my dearest friend is in recovery for alcoholism almost 38 years. And so I've had people in recover around me forever. And so, you know, Susan was always showing me initially like Melly Beatty's books mm -hmm. and, and I would see people everywhere with these day books mm -hmm. and they were like a modern form to me. Like they were really used, you know, they were mm -hmm. in back pockets in cars in bathrooms. And so on the other side of my cancer journey, I started wanting to, I thought, and Susan helped me think about, about maybe if I could fill that form with small doses of what matter, maybe it could be something that would be helpful. And, and then I began, it took three years, you know, you think a day book, oh, that's just a little thing a day. Oh my God, mm -hmm. you know, there's 365 of them. <laughs> and so I began, I had big pots. I had pots of feelings, stories, themes. I had a big pot of quotes so that I could honor other teachers. Mm -hmm. And then I was thinking about, um, what kind of meditation? So I wound up, it took like three years to create all the drafts. And then Susan got me, you ever see these huge office planners that are erasable that you pin on the wall? Baby, they are my <laughs> jam. They huge. are my jam. It was epic to figure out a strategy for where would each of these entries go or how would you order them or you know yeah how, how would you proceed with put, forming the book and putting it together so the dry erase board was 
So Susan got me that and I tacked it up on, on a wall. And then very intuitively, I would just take a look at them and go, well, if this were to be a journey, because you can certainly, as you know, go in anywhere, but if it were to be a journey, what, what would I start putting across this garden and plant here and plant there? And, and then that took several months to do. And, and then it actually took another eight or nine months to actually conceive of the meditations and, and literally try them out. There were a bunch that didn't make it because they just were, you know, when I went to try them, they were like, this is never going to work. I find I don't want to do this. No one's going to want to do this. And then finally, finally, we had a whole draft. But the interesting thing is that you, you, the book was accepted for publication with, was it just five, five entries? Yeah. With five entries sent in. Yeah. And that tells me how hungry. Yeah. Um, that publisher knew people were for this meal that yeah. they couldn't get anywhere but with you creating it for them but really what's interesting to me and of course I didn't know we would go here I really didn't I didn't have a I don't have a plan I have no notes you know <laughs> my my dog is at my feet your dog is at your feet she just tore up her monkey toy so. of course I mean, because that's Right. I think that's a good sign. It's it's all. But what's what's (laughs) moving to me, what has moved me already today is the partnership and the friendship between the two of you that you, Mark, are gracious in your acknowledgement of Susan's part in the creation of this book that has changed lives, that it isn't just your book, even though Mark Nepo's name is on the front, that what I'm seeing, hearing, and feeling, which I must have intuited, is that is friendship. Mm -hmm. Whether or not there are romantic parts of the friendship and body parts to the friendship, and liquids exchanged. (laughs) Really, what we're talking about is connection and friendship, and the way, the grace that you bring Susan into this part of the conversation is as important as the offerings themselves. Mm. And as important as they are, What's more important is your acknowledgement that you didn't do it alone, that you wouldn't have gotten that big, big ass dry erase board on your own. <laughs> no, no and way. Your ability to expand yourself enough, your ego is strong enough, your to be able to say, and by the way, listener, Susan is a, an accomplished artist in her own world of pottery and painting, that she is a visual artist you can touch. She's a tactile artist. You know, her work, you touch and you, you, you use it. It's, 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 it is hand built so that it, it feels, you feel her hands in the piece. It is part of her gift, but, it just is so interesting to me. This is a show about friendship. Um, and I knew we would talk as friends, but I didn't know that what was really going to present itself is already. There is no greater friendship than if you're married or if you're in a partnership, a love partnership with someone, that yeah. that is the, the complete, that is the relationship. It is friendship. Yeah. I think that's right. That's at the core for, yeah, for, us, for yeah, us. I feel lucky for that. I think I felt that with Mark right away, like a certain comfort, you know, um, that I hadn't felt with other people, other men. So a comfortable feeling. Like I just remember this little thing, like the first time we went to the grocery store together, like I just remember this feeling of standing in line at the register and being like, oh, I just feel like 
this doesn't feel like the first time I'm doing this. You know how like everything is, you know, the first time you do everything, it feels like strange. It can feel strange or a little uncomfortable or, and it just felt so like natural and comfortable. And I thought, I think like that is really for me what friendship is. It's like not having to pretend to be something else with, with whoever you're with or not having to hide any parts of yourself or feel like you have to present yourself in a certain way to be received or accepted or, and I think it's rare. I still feel like at this point in my life, it's rare. I can count the people in my life who I feel that level of comfort with. I can count on one hand or that I have felt throughout my life. I think it's a rare thing. But isn't that sad and beautiful at the same time? I mean, I'm weeping. I'm weeping right now because what you just said is everything that we want. I want you to see me and want to know me. And I don't have to pretend to be something I am not in order to get your attention and gaze. Right, right. And the idea that we spend, when you say it's so rare, it makes me sad that it's so rare. Yeah, yeah I know. That we walk around in these masks and costumes of our lives mm-hmm. when all we want mm-hmm. is to be seen. Yeah. 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 To be seen and heard and held and, and honored. Oh, now I'm going to cry. But it's, but it's such a, it's, as you said, it's so pure. It's just, it's, it's what we want. And yet we do so much, so much to avoid it, to, to hide who we are because we think we won't get, you know, it's, it's this Steinbeck, um, uh, I'll throw Steinbeck up all the time, but there's a, a quote of, um, one child denied the love he craves, kicks the cat, uh-huh. and hides his secret guilt. That uh-huh. there we crave love and attention, and 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 by the way, I'm not just talking about actors. Um, <laughs> right, we all, we're all yeah humans. Right, yeah, and you know, and I, I, I feel you know that. Susan has always been, um, it's so interesting because we all have our gifts and Susan has always, I felt, been a, a teacher uh, in, in her, how big her heart is. And, and while I can, you know, I mean, I'm certainly loving and kind, but when I, I have the ability to paint it, to portray it, but she has all, and it's, you know, that, you know, there's an age difference between us, there's 18 years between us, but she's an old soul and she's always been this amazing teacher of the heart. And I never, you know, there's a moment that represents that when um, um, I'm going to talk about the bird. Oh. You know, I, as you know, Jamie, I go teach and I, well, I used to travel. We'll see if we do it again, but well, I would always travel and teach and then I go home and, and I came home one time and oh, maybe 10 years ago and I found Susan in the garage over a, a shoe box. And then I looked in there and a, a bird had, had injured itself. Turned out it had a broken back. We didn't know, but a little bird. So it's on a towel and Susan was feeding it water drops from her finger. Of course she was. Yeah. And, and, you know, um, it's just tumbling to me, like um, how she is such a teacher of holding nothing back of giving her all. And, and I keep, you know, and I think the other thing about being lifelong dear friends at that level, whether you're partners or not, is honoring each other. Um, I, th- I believe that when you love someone, you want them to grow, not stay the same. And so like we've been together over 25 years more. I should know how many years, but it's. I forgot. Yeah, but. Um, <laughs> But, you know, I know her well enough where I can finish her sentences, but I don't. Um, 
but not just for the obvious reasons that she'd be upset if I did that, but because <laughs> loving her means, and her me means that I want to ask her, I know that's how you've always felt, but who are you today? What do you think today? What do you feel today? Has it changed? What have you seen? And, and in, in that way, um, we're constantly growing. Well, I think I mean, isn't, I think, isn't that what you hope friends can do? But yeah, I mean, besides just intimate partners and and you know, love relationships, just friendship in general, it's very brave to say, "Who are you today? What are you thinking today? How do you feel about blank today?" And because you're risking someone to say. Yeah, I'm not as into it. And that is terrifying. And what happens is we build up that calcification around it. We go, I'm not going to go into how are you feeling about it today or me today or our relationship today or our interactions today. I'm just not going to. And the longer you go, the harder that calcification grows around it. It's harder to to imagine cracking through. And there's a, a E.L. Doctorow quote um, about when things go unexamined for a long enough time, certain things happen. They become mythological. They become very, very powerful and they create conformity and they intimidate. So the conformity is what happens in relationships and friendships. You start to just kind of conform to it. It isn't living and breathing as much anymore. You're not leaning in, as you just so eloquently said, Mark, um, of, you know, where are you today? Because it's too scary that they may have changed. And so I have tried as an adult to failed by the way, many times listener. So don't think that this is like me, like I've got this like all going on, but I'm in the process of trying to break from that calcification, that mythologic nature of relationships so that we can meet in the here and now today. Yeah. I think for me, like one of the gifts of my relationship with Mark is that we've always been really good at like, just putting it all out there, like, you know, conflict, bring it on, you know, like, uh, like, uh, like we, but we do that well together. I feel like we argue well, you know, we argue, yeah. we we're you know, we have heated arguments, just fights sometimes. And, but we always, um, we always come through that in a better place. And I've never been afraid to go there with Mark, even though I've been terrified to go there in lots of other relationships, you know, either with family members or, or friend, mostly women friends. So I've been where, you know, when you, when you, when you were just talking about that, I, I feel like that's been riskier for me to do in those other relationships. Mm -hmm. But I've learned through Mark, like it can be okay. And if it, Actually, if, you know, if I raise some kind of conflict with a friend and it ends up not being okay, that's a lot of good information I'm getting about that person, that relationship. Um, what did I bring to that dynamic to create, help create that? Um, and now I've realized, you know, I don't really have any interest in, in giving my life energy to a relationship that can't withstand some kind of, you know, dealing with a conflict or dealing with my hurt feelings or, you know, it's like, why am I putting my energy into that? If it's, if, if it's not being, if it can't be received there. So old ideas, new ideas. Yeah. <laughs> There's the, I kind of divide the world into it and it just allows me to kind of do what you said, Mark, which was to be able to be me today and say, who am I today? I often will say, well, that's an old idea of mine, and it's no longer an idea that I support. And it, it's kind of amazing to, to say it out loud. And you go, oh, wow, look at me changing my mind. 
<laughs> well, I, I think I think another aspect of friendship is, and all of these things for me come down to to the the commitment to try to practice just to be real as it as it as it happens as it changes, and that's in honoring limitations too. You know, like our love, and and I feel this with with our other friends too. You know, my commitment. You know, I, I'd say, you know, I, I know the Dalai Lama has said that loving kindness is his religion. I, I think friendship is mine. Mm-hmm. And, um, and, you know, I'm blessed to have good friends and I'm devote, I'm a devoted friend, but I've learned and, and Susan has helped. I uh, teach me this in our relationship um, that while my heart is committed to be everything and do everything, I can't. And so if I am going to be a good friend, I actually, I can be a better friend if I honor my limitations. And, and you know, so that if, if uh, and I think this happened years and years ago, you may not remember, but, you know, a time when I was needing to, to go to Susan emotionally for something. And you said, I, I want to be there for you, but I can't right now. I can't, I don't have it to listen. And so if you really need someone right now, you should call one of your other friends and, you know, the next day or so I'll be able. And, you know, at first I was like, well, yeah, but I need it now. And then I said, no, we, you know, this is breaks this romantic uh, notion in our society that we're going to be all things at all times to each other. And actually it's when we pretend that we can be there and we can't that we do good poorly (laughs) and it's actually worse, you know? So that's led to us like not, not, you know, when each of us wants uh, to be there for each other and we can't be, well, we're never really happy about it, but we honor it. And it's actually better to be able to say, okay, I'll call my friend George or Robert now rather than insist when the other can't, you know, if you physically think about, oh, like if you're carrying something and say, oh, do you have it? Do you have that end of that 200 pound thing? Well, I've got to sit, if it's real, yes. If not, I can damage both of us if I say that I can when I can't. If there's something I need, I don't already have. I know I'll get it from a good friend. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. So stick around. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. I think that may be the most profound thing I've heard in 32 interviews, which is the the ability to acknowledge that you can't be all things as a friend to everyone. You can't. And that accepting your own limitations is the greatest act of friendship in a way. Being, you know, many of us, and I'm sure me, um, you know, we kind of get into that false ego pride of like, I, I'm solid and therefore bring it, bring it, bring it, which is just actually a lack of boundaries. <laughs> it's, it's some desperate need on my part to be everything uh, for everyone, which yeah. is impossible. And as you said, which you used incredible words for that in a way, if you're if if you say you can do something and you can't, it's actually harming them. Like it's you're you're it's kind of under the guise of goodness, but it's not because you're not really able to. And I know my listener has done this. And I I dare say if that listener tells another listener, they will have also they would say, Oh yeah, me too. Yeah. Which is that immediate thing of like we we don't have the courage to say, you know what? I cannot handle this right now. Yeah. What we say is like, okay, I'm really stressed out, but okay, what, what is it? And then we're not really listening with an open heart. We're listening with a kind of um, a controlled experience in a way that doesn't really serve the person. And I think you're better served if you can actually say the thing you said, which is, Again, the gift for, in your partnership and your friendship that came from you that Mark just articulated. Um, yeah. It's extraordinary. It's an extraordinary concept. It reminds me of uh, what when you were speaking about that <clears throat> and what when Jamie was just speaking, it reminded me of um, that statement you made once at, when you were teaching somewhere where you said, do you want to be good or do you want to be true? And often, how often yeah. those things are at odds with each other. Yeah, yeah, and that that's been and a, I, that that's been a great teacher for me. I keep I come back to that at, at you know many many times. I don't always remember to, but well, of course, <laughs> and, not. I, and I fall down, but you know, yeah, but um, but that's been a great teacher for me. Yeah, thanks for reminding me about <laughs> it. But and I think that's been a big a big a big lesson for me that that I know that. Um, if I try to be good, I may or may not be true. If I try to be authentic and true, I will almost always be good, the same way that a flame will always give off heat. And so uh, I think our challenge is to be, and, and that's led to these daily practices. Once we can accept our limitations and, and accept our commitment, whether it's us or in other friendships, and our limitations, then it becomes a, a, you know, being real in the moment. So if we're talking and you're sharing something so, so tender and I lapse, you know, I got distracted. I, I, well, I can say, but, but, you know, at first I would think, oh no, I just, you know, you just open your heart and, oh, I don't want to say that, you know, I got distracted and thought of ice cream, you know, like what the, <laughs> and, uh, but no, I need to, I need to say, wait a minute, wait a minute. I know this is important, and and I 
I got distracted. Can we back up mm-hmm. and keep mm-hmm. and go? That's that's a microcosm of accepting our limitations and being real. Um, where were I, I'm going to ask both of you the same question, which again, not written, no paper. Um, <laughs> but I'm just curious because I don't really know your backgrounds. Um, I I didn't do I don't do a big deep Oprah dive here. I I try to uh, you know let it flow, but I am curious as to sort of in your earlier life. Uh, I don't know where where your earlier life was, Susan. Um, in your earlier life, friendship. How did friendship? Were you part of big groups, little groups? How how did you? sort of connect with people was it through the arts was it like what was what was your relationship to friendship um well I grew up in upstate New York and I don't know I think like when I think of my earliest friends just being a small child were mostly you know neighborhood kids so these were the days when we would all just leave the house you know during summer vacation and play be out all day playing (laughs) with our friends just in the streets and um, in the neighborhood. Um, and I wasn't, it wasn't probably until I started playing clarinet in fourth grade that I maybe became part of a larger, you know, where it felt there was a community of people um, connected around a particular thing, um, a particular, you know, common interest. Um, I do remember wanting, really wanting to be so like in the Girl Scouts, the first phase of Girl Scouts is brownie, right? Mm-hmm. And I had some friends who were brownies and I really wanted to be a brownie. But um, <laughs> so I wanted to be a part of that group, you know, uh, but there were not enough moms who were volunteering to be like whatever the whatever the moms needed to do to be, <laughs> be the leaders. And so I couldn't do it. And how sort of devastated I was by that. Um I think to be honest, my relationship, you know, I I certainly had friends growing up and all throughout school, but I always felt um, a little bit uh, out. I always felt sort of outside the popular group, you know, like I tended to be friends with people who are more on the fringes, you know, um, which was just fine with me, actually. (laughs) And then probably like, you know, it was probably when I got my first job when I was 16, that I developed some really close relationships with the people I worked with. It was in a grocery store um, near in the town I grew up in. And they were some of the best, uh, closest friends I had. They weren't really people, it wasn't so much people I went to school with, it was the people at, at this grocery store. And, you know, they all knew about, I had <clears throat> a, real, a lot of um, trauma growing up and, you know, from growing up with alcoholism and violence in my family. And I didn't talk to many people about that until probably I met those friends through that job. And some of them knew, you know, most of them who I was close with knew what was going on. And I think that changed how I felt about friendship at that point. I felt like these were people I could trust and share more personally with and yeah, I look back on those years as like, those were some, you know, those were good people who <laughs> I met at a pivotal point, you know, my teenage years that helped me maybe start to individuate to mm-hmm. and see a world outside my family. Isn't it interesting? Yeah, that yeah, yeah it is. Some interest, you know, in school, music that, you know, how many musicians have you know, I interviewed my husband and his been from childhood, David Nickturn and Chris, and they bonded over bluegrass. You know, that was their connect. They knew each other growing up. Their families both knew each other, like same street yeah. and all that. Yeah. But they weren't connected the way the parents are like, oh, he loves him. Oh, that's his wonderful friend. But they <laughs> weren't. But what connected them? was this love of this at the time arcane music which was bluegrass yeah. and then that cemented it so it's so interesting to me the way you talked about it where you find commonality with people in music and school and that then you're part of a group and that feels good and it like builds up that oh this is what this all looks like right but then 
uh, being in this job more now as in starting to individuate from your family and everything. And then you end up bonding with people because you start to expose yourself and tell the truth. Yeah. They listen, they respect it, they hold it. Yeah. It's a safe space. And it's just such a perfect description of how friendships are built and nurtured and developed um, yeah. as a young person. And I person. think that I had I hadn't until you asked, I hadn't really thought about that, about them representing um yeah, you yeah. know, that uh, sort of a shift happening in me at that moment and maybe how I was learning to view what real friendship looks like. Mm-hmm. And how that enabled me to see that. So, and then the kind of person that you are in your partnership with Mark, and like right. my seeing that beautiful interchange between the two of you is just just to see. It just gives me a little sketch of how did you end up sitting where you are. And Mark, yeah. what about you in your early life? Yeah, and let me just, it's just also as you were mentioning about about safety that the word friendship actually comes. The root of the word means place of high safety, Mm. place Mm -hmm. of high safety. So for me, um, you know, I grew up in a, I didn't have addiction in my family, but I I had a lot of dysfunction and, um, and, and and a lot of difficulty that both my parents are gone now about six or seven years. Um, But in high school, um, you know, I was not a loner, but I didn't really have any, friends uh that i would call a real friendship till i got to college i did feel like i grew up on long island outside of new york city and i i experienced a lot of anti-semitism as a kid and so i was i was you know on the basketball team and i was kind of uh visible to lots of people but i felt very alone in all that Mm. i felt like very alone in a crowd And really, when I think back, I never thought of it this way till you asked this, but I think the first presence of a true friend was my grandmother, my grandma Minnie in Brooklyn, because she was the first one to really uh, see my soul. I mean, I didn't know those terms back then as a little kid, but she treated me with, I guess you'd say respect that I never, I I didn't, I felt in her presence, unlike I felt anywhere else in my little life. And I knew that that was something that was important that I wanted elsewhere. Um, And when I got to college, I I started to have some true friends. And I think because, I mean, I didn't know this then, but certainly with all these years in between, I think because I didn't feel a sense of not physical safety, but emotional safety in my home. And I didn't feel like I could show all parts of myself that even at an unconscious level, I was always ready to make my friends, my family outside of my home because I wasn't able to get that in my home. And so friends were always a sacred uh, space for me. And, and I've had friends, you know, I've had, and we all have, I, it's always made, it's always, I've always been amazed at this and wondered at this because there are friends that, that I have, um, where there is nothing they could do that would break our bond, no matter how they would screw up or be hurtful. It was just, forever and endless and you know we deal with it or whatever and there have been other friendships along the way where there have been trespasses and it's been cut like that mm-hmm. and i've always been i've always wondered like why the one and why the other and so i i do th- i think that you know my um you know the i have a friend robert who is my oldest, oldest friend over 40 years. He's the one who's in recovery. And we, uh, you know, we met in graduate school in Albany. Both are poets. And we immediately, it's like our souls knew each other and we were just meeting this time for the first time. And um, and I have here in, in Kalamazoo over the last 15 years, 
I have a men's group that I'm a part of, seven of us. And boy, we've become like brothers. Mm-hmm. Just like it's just been so important to me and so amazing to um it's a space because I think all of us, the men that I'm talking about, you know, um I did finally by the time my father passed, we we had a good closeness. Um I never got there with my mother. But even so, my father well, there are lots of things I admired about him, and I realized that he taught me more since he's died. I never had a model of the kind of man I wanted to be. I kind of had to find that myself. And um, and I think that the other men that I am close to also have that kind of want to say, yeah, I, had, I can admire this and that, but this isn't, no, this isn't it. This isn't. That's not what I'm interested in trying to be. I don't see a lot there that makes sense. We'll be right back with more Good Friend after this quick break. From BBC Radio 4. Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. This is it, your moment. This is your time to make your comeback with Purdue Global. When you come back with a Purdue Global degree, you create opportunity for yourself, your family, and your future. It's a degree you can be proud of, a degree that employers will trust and respect. Purdue Global offers working adults like you over 175 flexible degree programs to meet your specific career goals. These include associate, bachelor's, master's, and doctoral degrees and certificates. Purdue Global degree programs range from nursing to business to communication and more. Whatever your interest, we have the degree that will move you forward. You have the knowledge. You have the experience. Now it's time to get credit for the work you've done and earn the recognition you deserve with Purdue Global, Purdue's online university for working adults. You know you're worth it. We do, too. So don't wait another second to get the degree that will take your career to the next level. Start your comeback today at purdueglobal.edu. If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. The 2024 presidential campaign features two candidates who are very well-known to Americans. And yet, there's complexity at every turn. Criminal trials for one of those candidates. Young voters who are angry. The Campaign Moment podcast from The Washington Post gives you what matters. I'm Aaron Blake, and I'm covering my 10th election cycle. My colleagues and I have insights that you won't find anywhere else. So follow the Campaign Moment right now, wherever you're listening. Boy, I'm telling you, uh, uh, we could be doing we could do this for like a year. Uh, <laughs> I'm not sure iHeart would be so happy with a year's podcast, but hey, hey, you know, Book of Awakening, sort of a daily, just a conversation that lasts 365 days. iHeart, maybe this is me pitching it. Um wouldn't that be interesting? Just like a yeah. ongoing conversation for 365 days of people who didn't really know each other and get to know each other through this medium. Oh, okay. interesting. I know. Hey, but three, two things popped into my mind. One, my mother um, had a friend, uh, 
whose name is Gwen Davis. Um, she is still alive today. Uh, and she was a writer in the 70s. And she wrote really wonderful books. She wrote some very sort of, you know, sexual books with, you know, sort of Jacqueline Suzanne kind of level of intrigue and sex and, you know, conflict and all the rest of it. But she also was very funny. And she wrote a book called How to Live in Suburbia When Your Heart is in the Himalayas. <laughs> and, you know, she was um, she was the reason that I knew about Jack Kornfield. She was the first person to teach me how to meditate, even though it didn't work because <laughs> I was 18. But she saw me. And like your grandma, this woman saw me. And in the midst of all of the people that I knew at this point, now I was an actor and I was on my own, very young. And with all my family and my beginning of my career and all the rest of it, this is the only person in my entire life who ever looked at me and said, I see you. And I think you're amazing. And I think you're, you have a mind, you're bright, you're creative, you're interesting. And I see it. And by the way, she is a pain in the tuchus. <laughs> As a person, she is a pain in the tuchus. Um, for my listener, that's bottom in um, you know, she is a challenging person. She is the smartest girl in the room and has a quick wit and bite, but she's also a pain in the ass. Yeah. And she'd be the first to say it, but she, so she, people are kind of put off by her, I but I have been devoted to her because she was the only person in my early life who said, I see you. Mm. And when I didn't see, me at all when I was just sort of bouncing around that popped in my mind when you were talking about your uh, grandma. And then, you know, I'm in recovery 22 years now. And I will tell you that your idea of a men's group, you know, the beautiful part of recovery from drug addiction and alcoholism is that you you call it recovery and there are recovery meetings and recovery groups and you bond with people and you you create these very tight um, safe spaces where you can all share what you're feeling. If I was smart, I would just open one up for friends and call it girl group and offer the same thing. It doesn't have, uh, but we could all read the book of awakening as our sort of text <laughs> and then talk about our feelings vis-a-vis -vis the whatever the offering of the day is from the book of awakening, but that safe space to model behavior, to hold mirrors up for each other. Cause I didn't have it either. Mark Nepo. I didn't have it. I didn't see it from my mother and how to be with female friends. I certainly didn't see it from my father and how to be male friends. I just, I didn't have that modeling. And I think what you said was profound that you have that. Yeah. Well, you know, and it's so it's so interesting because, you know, I of all the teaching I do and, you know, experience facilitating. So when we first gathered, you know, there was a lot I had a lot of uh, I had given a lot of thought. Does this group need structure? Do we need process? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, as soon as we got together, because we were all there simply to be who we are and bear witness to each other's lives. Um, it all happened so organic. We didn't need anything. We just, and ever since, all we do is, it is very basically organically like being in rooms, but everyone takes their turn. We meet once a month. Well, now during COVID, we're on Zoom every, mm -hmm. twice a month, but usually we meet once a month at different people's homes and everybody takes as long as they want or need to talk about where they are in life from in this moment to in the big picture mm -hmm. and and if and then you know if people want 
to be mirrored or want anything else, we ask each other, I'm having trouble seeing this. What do you see? Um, and and we just go around. And then once a year, we, we go on retreat together for three days. Mm-hmm. We just, you know, get a bed and breakfast and are just there, all of us. But but I'll tell you another profound moment in that that is um, that I think speaks to friendship. It was Don with his back that time. And our elder in the group, oh, yeah. Don, is 83. And we've been, like I said, we've been meeting for like 15 years. And the first few years, it was wonderful, but we didn't have a whole lot of contact out of the meetings, outside of the meetings. And and Don, he had, uh, he his back went out and he was, you know, out for uh, a, like a week, you know, and we all checked in, we called. But when we all got back together, he, with real vulnerability, took a risk. And he said, you know, I appreciate you guys calling, but um, how come none of you came over? Mm. And we all went, oh, my God, we didn't. Sorry. I don't know why. What happened? And from that point forward, we haven't been a group of friends checking in on each other's lives We've been in each other's lives. And, you know, he took the risk to, to, with tremble in his throat, to be real honest about that. And it changed everything. Isn't that spectacular? (laughs) Isn't that just spectacular? Um, In, by the way, I just want to speak to Zoom for a minute and these technologic um, portals through which we try to connect and express ourselves. This podcast was born out of the pandemic and my not being able to be in as close proximity to my friends. And I heard Emily King's song, Good Friend, and I thought, oh, I'm going to do a podcast and talk to people that I love about how being friends impacts their life, blah, blah, blah. And, um, (laughs) you know, I've been in recovery, as I said, 22 years, and I've been doing recovery meetings on the computer for the last year and a half. And by the way, I had never, ever, ever done FaceTime. I always thought FaceTime people were losers. I would be like, people were like, hey, you want to FaceTime? I'm like, no, I don't want to look at myself. No, 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 cameras, no, no, no. And what was so interesting is I and our daughter, Annie, was the first one. was like, mom, you just set up a Zoom account. I was like, ah. She goes, just do it. And I remember doing it. And clicking that button, all of a sudden she was there. And there was that moment of like, oh my God, hi, baby. (laughs) And I realized that I was just, it was an old idea in my brain that technological FaceTiming and Zooming meant something fake. And it was weird. I'm telling you, uh, uh, my recovery groups have deepened to a level that I never thought would happen. And the truth of the matter is, I don't want to go back (laughs) in person meetings as much as I want to stay in this group, because the depth of the sharing, the depth of the, the, and the ease of it, Mm. the ease of it, if the founders of all of these recovery groups had had this opportunity, they would have used it. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Old ideas, right. new ideas. Right, right. And this is a new idea that is working. And my listener is nodding as they're folding their laundry right now <laughs> as they're listening because it's working for them. Right. That they get the kind of depth of contact um, substance yes. that this is offering to hear the two of you in conversation about feelings and friendship and love and families 
it's extraordinary. And this is just a wonderful new idea. And I am, you know, beyond thrilled that we're here together. Now, before I let you go, um, I will remind you that um, even though we don't know when these are airing and therefore um, or dropping, I guess, as the kids say, I don't know, do podcasts drop or do they air? I don't know. It's not in the air, right? It's uh, I don't know what it does. However, however, this gets. um you know, um, sent into the world. Um, in the book of awakening, which has been a daily read for me for a long, long time now, um, it is as important to me as a connecting tool to my own self, as well as to others. Um, it has in, in completely enlightened me as to who I really am because of the way I respond to what Mark has put out there. Today's was all about feelings. And I actually, a friend of mine this morning wrote me and said, feelings suck. Thanks, <laughs> Mark Nepo. No, oh no, by the way, you've actually been reduced to one name. You are not Mark Nepo. You are Nepo. So I, the, the the text was, you know, feelings suck. Thanks, Nepo. But it was all about feelings. And, um, you know, obviously what we've been talking about here together uh, are feelings. But you mentioned, Mark, that there was a poem that you were going to share with my listener and with me and with Susan McHenry, your <laughs> love and your friend. And me, Jamie, your friend, your good friend, um, about friendship. And I thought we'd I'd let you finish us out here on the podcast. Sure. Well, thank you. And thank you for your, you know, I'm so always touched by how the Book of Awakening has touched you. Um, so this is a poem called If You Want a True Friend. If you want a true friend. Just open your hands and say, I don't know. Say it softly and wait so your other can see that you mean it. Give them a chance to drop what they think is secret. Let them come up with a cup of what matters from the spring they show no one. Let them sigh and admit that they don't know either. Then you can begin with nothing in the way. Go on, admit to the throb you carry in your heart and let the journey begin. Um, my guests today on the Good Friend podcast were and are and will continue to be Mark Nepo and Susan McHenry. Um, to my listener out there, stay safe. God bless you. And um, thank you both so much. Thank you so much, Jamie. Oh, thank you. And for your friendship. And thank you for your friendship, <laughs> your good friendship. Good Friend is produced by Dylan Fagan and is a production of iHeartRadio. Our theme song, Good Friend, is written, produced, and performed by Emily King. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. 
If a new house is on your wish list in the next five years, grow your savings faster and experience your dreams with an Ohio Homebuyer Plus account from Kemba Financial Credit Union, a savings account specifically designed to save for a new home where you can earn 7% APY, a $500 matching bonus, and a $1,500 mortgage closing cost credit. Learn more at Kemba.org. Offer expires March 31st, 2025. APY equals annual percentage yield. Restrictions apply. NMLS 292230. Equal housing lender. Federally insured by NCUA. Zumo Play is your destination for endless entertainment. With a diverse lineup of 350 plus live channels, movies, and full TV series, you'll easily find something to watch right away. And the best part? It's all free. Love music? Get lost in the 90s with iHeart 90s. Dance away with hip hop beats and more on the iHeart Radio music channels. No logins, no signups, no accounts, no hassle. So what are you waiting for? Start streaming at play.xumo.com or download from the app and Google Play stores today. All you can stream with Zumo Play. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.